When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week 11's in the books. You're back from Blacksburg. I'm back from a wedding in Atlanta. But ultimately, what was the biggest thing that you learned about the ACC this weekend? So I never made it to Blacksburg, unfortunately. Whoops. Um, whoops. I uh, was supposed to. Had some things happen, personally. But it's all good. Uh, we good now. What did I learn from week 11, Joey? I learned that uh, we have a new coastal favorite every week, and this week is Virginia Tech. Coming on one more time? Virginia Tech's coastal favorite? Ooh. Interesting. Calling your shot. Call that shot, baby. All right. Yeah. Well, um, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Virginia Tech with a big win this weekend. Um, biggest thing I learned about the ACC, and I, I think this is the biggest thing, and I say this because I, I'm, I'm questioning how much I really learned about any of these teams this weekend to some degree, but I think the biggest thing I learned – Florida State doesn't have their head coach. They ain't dead yet, Mike. Don't matter. They ain't dead yet. Uh, we'll hit on that as well. Uh, we got several games to recap here, six of them to be precise. Most of them conference affairs. Um, we're going to start in Blacksburg where your Hokies, Mike, 36, the number 19 Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, 17. Um, this was a, a really good showing from the Hokies. Wake, again, was a road favorite in Blacksburg. I had the Deeks to win outright, um, to you know to cover two and a half. Um, you never lost faith in your Hokies. And even though Wake was leading this game at halftime and was leading this game midway through the third quarter, Virginia Tech really hit the gas over the, pat, over the final 22, 25 minutes of this game and, and really put the thing away. Um, it was Bud Foster Day in Blacksburg. Huge showing for the Hokies in particular with their defense, shutting down the Wake Forest offense late in the game. Um, really good showing for the Hokies. And, I, I mean, goodness gracious, how much better they're playing right now than they were about a month ago. What a difference a quarterback makes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hendon Hooker has meant the world to this offense since he's entered the starting lineup. Virginia Tech has obviously been very good. Uh, they rolled with Quincy Patterson when Hooker was banged up, um, basically right after that UNC game. Uh, he left halfway through that game and then didn't play the next two games. Um, obviously, that Notre Dame game, you know, Patterson was a starter. Everybody was actually expecting Hooker to actually sit out for this upcoming game. Um, that upcoming game the following week here uh, against Wake Forest, Hooker ends up stepping in and playing, uh, which – Quincy Patterson was taking first-team reps all week. A lot of people were expecting him to be a starter. Hooker ended up feeling good enough to play. Um, he wasn't 100%, but he looked pretty good out there. Um, throwing the football, it's night and day. I mean, Hooker finished 15-23 for 242. 
didn't throw a touchdown pass, but also didn't throw any picks, which was Ryan Willis's Achilles heel, obviously. Uh, the passing offense wasn't really a factor with Quincy Patterson in the lineup, so you saw the clear delineation between run and pass with Hendon Hooker playing. Um, the running game has been good regardless of who's been starting since Ryan Willis left the starting line at the quarterback. It's either been Hendon Hooker or Quincy Patterson. Either way, it's been really good. Um, Virginia Tech for the fourth consecutive game or fourth time in five games, I think. They've been over 200 yards rushing. Uh, finished the day 228 and four scores on the ground against Wake Forest, which is obviously really good. Virginia Tech actually dominated this game, in my opinion, from start to finish. They had two really bad turnovers in the first half, a fumble by Hendon Hooker, a fumble by Terrius Wheatley on a pass play across the middle um, that he obviously broke loose. Um, it was a pass play that went for 50 yards that ended up ending in a fumble and a turnover uh, for Virginia Tech, so that obviously wasn't good. Um, Virginia Tech lost two scoring chances there in the first half as a result, and that's a big reason why they trailed Wake Forest 10-6 to in the half. Um, but Virginia Tech didn't turn the ball over in the second half, and that was the biggest difference. Um, Virginia Tech scores 30 points in the second half, takes complete control of the game, and obviously wins going away. Uh, Wake Forest offense was held down in large part um, on Bud Foster Day at Lane Stadium, so they were honoring Bud Foster in his impending retirement. They made a separate game just for him because Senior Day is coming up here in a couple weeks against Pittsburgh. They want a separate day to honor Bud Foster. To honor the um, other senior. I know. No kidding. Um, they put a banner up for Bud Foster with a lunch pail um, on it. So we've got a little flag hanging in Lane Stadium now, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and they honored – Virginia Tech's defense honored Wake Forest by ensuring that Wake went 6-15 of 15 on third down, only had 300 yards of total offense. Joey, this is an offense that averaged over 510 yards per game, held for only a little – a shade over 300 total. Um Jamie Newman really struggled. He turned the ball over twice. That was pretty significant. Rushing the football, Wake Forest finished with 63 total yards on the ground. So that was obviously important as well. That's so Virginia bad. Tech defense thought did an outstanding job um, overall. Um, Virginia Tech's offense, again, a really weird line. Three of 14 offensively on third down, but finished with 470 total yards and scored 36 points. So one of those weird stat lines, but I think the biggest difference you see from a month ago or a little over a month ago when they lost to Duke and what's happening now is Virginia Tech's defense is playing a lot better and the running game's better. I think the switch at quarterback from Ryan Willis to Hendon Hooker has a lot to do with it. I, I think the, the clear delineation in this game, again, was a little bit after halftime. So um, Wake on their second drive out of halftime scores a touchdown, six plays, 75 yards. And you look at the, the drive chart from there, Wake's final six drives of the game, one play interception, six plays punt, six plays punt, 12 plays turnover on downs, two plays interception, five plays punt. I mean, it was really, again, that last 20 to 25 minutes of the game that Virginia Tech's defense really locked down uh, Wake Forest's offense and really caused huge issues for Jamie Newman. He finishes the game, you look at the stat line, it looks bad. 16 of 35 for 238, two scores, two picks. Um, so he was, you know, several completions under 500, you know, under 50%. Turn the Wasn't ball great. over. Yeah, no. Turn the ball over multiple times. Finishes with 12 carries for minus four yards with the sacks thrown in there. I mean, it, it was a rough day. And, and you got to give credit to Virginia Tech's defense for that. That was not something they were doing, um, again, like a, a little over a month ago. And it's it's very fitting that they do that on Bud Foster Day, by all means. And by the way, if I before we go any further, if, I, you know, total transparency here, if if Mike and I are giving each other a little bit more ribbing, a little bit more grief in this episode than normal, just remember, 
It's Tech Mobile Hate Week, Mike. It is Tech Mobile Hate Week. So all is, is fair, you know, love, war, podcasting, the whole thing. So it, it's uh, it's coming. But anyways, um, really good showing for v- Virginia Tech here in general. I thought the offense in particular. It's it's continuing to bother me the uh, the run pass split here as as Hendon Hooker goes fifteen to twenty three for two forty two. He averages 10.5 yards per attempt, and meanwhile, the whole team goes 48 carries for 228. So you're averaging less than 5 yards per carry, and that's including a 57-yard carry by Trey Turner. So you had a huge yep. play in there that was inflating the average, and you didn't get to 5 yards a carry. Like, why is it? I still don't understand why it is we're running the ball twice as much as we're throwing it. But I – that's Wasn't that big of a deal, Joey? Yeah. Big of a deal. Won that game by three touchdowns. So, you know, how, how upset can you really be? I, I I think maybe the biggest takeaway I have is that that is there there is a conceptual flaw there, but that basically nobody in the ACC is any is good enough to make good on it or, or make Virginia Tech pay for it. Put it that way. That's fair. And and as you mentioned, the offense has been night and day effective moving from Ryan Willis to Hendon Hooker and or Quincy Patterson as, as relevant. Um Kind of a weird, kind of a weird situation that your your week one starting quarterback wasn't ever really injured and has now found himself at third string, um, but that's just typical of the ACC in 2019, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't have anything else there. <laughs> we'll take the dub, man. We'll take the dub we can get. And you know what, Virginia Tech's defense, I think, is the biggest difference. You know, I I was critical of them at the beginning of the year. I didn't think they took as many strides forward as they needed to. And offensively, they were lacking in identity. Well, the biggest difference over the last month or so is they found an identity on offense and defense is playing a lot better. So defense growing up quickly is a big credit to Bud Foster and Justin Fuente for getting that side of the ball playing a lot better. And then for the offense, obviously making the move, you know, obviously from Ryan Willis. Uh, to Hendon Hooker and then Quincy Patterson when they had to when Hooker got hurt in that North Carolina game. I think that's the biggest difference between then and now. Um, it's, you know, I think the fan base, I think, is a little bit critical of Justin Fuente for waiting a little bit too long on Ryan Wallace, but at the same time, you know, losing that game against Duke was the wake-up call. And I think sometimes you need that throughout a season to, you know, kind of make things turn and, and end up the way that you want to. And I think that's that was what ended up being the deal here for Virginia Tech this year, and we'll see how they finish the last three games. That loss to Duke really was an inflection point. Um, since then, Hokies are 4-1, and one, wins at Miami, home against UNC, and, and against Wake at home as well, and, and damn near knocked off Notre Dame and South Bend, right? So that would be a perfect 5-0 and o if they were able to do that. So there was a clear inflection point in the season there, and, and that, that can't be understated. Um, that's it. That's all I got on this game, Mike. Anything else? No, I'm good, man. Hokies 36, Steeman Deeks 17. Deeks probably falling out of the rankings this week. Um, unfortunately, ugly for Wake. Ugly, yeah. ugly, ugly for Wake. Yeah, not not the best look. And they, I mean, again, they they really struggled in the second half. Um, so tough, tough, tough sled in there. But shout out Bud Foster on Bud Foster Day. Mike, let's move on. Florida State 38, Boston College 31. And before we keep going here, there was a really important part of this game that we just like completely whiffed on in the preview, and I wish I had known about in a weird way. And in, a, in another way, I'm really glad I didn't because we got the prediction right, but I would have had a totally different prediction if we had remembered that this was the red bandana game for Boston College. Yep. Mike, this is the game where they they honor one of the fallen former football players for Boston College who passed away uh, trying to save some folks in the 9-11 attacks. 
um, of course, was, was saved or was found wearing his signature red bandana. And as a result, Boston College uh, plays a game every year in, in his honor. Uh, and, and if I had known that, I would have said that Boston College would have come out of this game, you know, playing their hair on fire against a Florida State team that just lost to Miami last week and now has got no head coach, you know, and all this stuff. And yet, somehow, Florida State comes out and wins this game outright with a really, really impressive offensive performance. Uh, James Blackman was excellent, 18-26 for 346 and two scores. Uh, and, and really, the fact that they were able to hold A.J. Dillon to about four yards a carry and no touchdowns. I mean, this was an inspired effort from Florida State. They, they score a late touchdown to put it away. I can't say enough good things about how well the Seminoles bounce back here. And at this point, they're probably going to make a bowl game this year. Thank God we didn't hammer BC, huh? <laughs> Thank God is right. Um, yeah, really impressive performance by Florida State. Um, Boston College held Cam Akers 59 yards rushing and found a way to still lose, which is something. Yeah, that is, uh, that's not easy to do. And that's that doesn't really ever make you feel better either. The fact that that's that's all you gave up to Cam Akers and you still lost that that sucks. Uh, Boston College 165 yards on the ground, still scored 31 points. Um, I'm sorry, 165 yards. AJ Dillon alone, 281 on the ground overall and two touchdowns. Uh, Dennis Grozel 20 to 29, 227, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, threw the ball a lot better than I expected, Jerry. Yeah, he was really good for what it was. Um, I mean, this is probably the best game that he's played, at least in terms of if you get rid of the, the total lack of volume that was required of him in the Syracuse game. You know, they, they asked more of him in this game, and, and he delivered as much as he has. And yet it wasn't enough. I mean, Boston College, again, it sucks to rack up over 500 yards of offense and still lose the game, but, you know, that's what it was. And uh, Florida State in particular, again, the offense was really humming in this game the way that it hasn't really for most of this year. I think the biggest takeaway here really is the bowl implications for both of these teams, Mike, because with the loss, Boston College, both of these teams now are 5-5. Five and five. The difference is that Florida State next week has, what is it, Alabama State or something? It's some, you know, nonsense. Yeah, Alabama State next week against, you know, an A FCS winnable game. game. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you, you damn well had better win that game against Alabama State to get to 6-5 and five and be bowl eligible. Meanwhile, Boston College, their last two games, they've got a bye week here, and then they're going to have to go to South Bend and play Notre Dame, and then they're going to have to go to Pittsburgh and play the Panthers. Don't love their chances, Jerry. No. So what has normally been a 7-5 and team under Steve Adazio now might be a 5-7 and team. I don't know if that really means anything in terms of anybody's uh, – Well, it keeps his job. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what Boston College fans are aspiring to right now. If you're a Boston College fan, write in and let us know, but it's not looking good. I don't think the ceiling necessarily changes for BC. It's still going to be seven or eight wins no matter what, right? So even if you fire Steve Dazio, I'm not sure what the ceiling is there. I'm looking at like a guy like Matt Ryan. For example, it's the only time it's really exceeded that. Feels like the ceiling might be a little bit lower than the roof at Boston College, if, if you would say that. Thanks, MJ. <laughs> Uh, yeah, good times. Okay, uh, Florida State 38, Boston College 31. Let's keep moving here, Mike. Miami 52, Louisville 27. Holy smokes, this game got out of hand quick. Um, this game, I, I would say this was Louisville's worst offensive performance of the year. 
It was Miami's best offensive performance of the year. Um, this game just completely got away from Louisville real quick, real early. It was 35-14 at halftime, and it just you could feel it was slipping away pretty quickly. Um, it, this was a again, this was a really good performance from a Miami offense able to take you know take advantage of a deficient Louisville defense. Jaron Williams had a remarkable game here, 15 to 22 for 253 and a school record six touchdowns on the game. Um, he was amazing here. DJ Dallas almost 100 yards on the ground. Louisville just did not have any answers in this game. Um, unfortunately, Mikhail Cunningham goes down with a bit of an injury there in the third quarter. Evan Conley comes in and plays admirably, but um, at the end of the day, Louisville. This was a this was a uh, not the best look, not what you were hoping for with them coming off a of bye week with the way that they've been playing so far this year. I was surprised Louisville got blown out like this, Joey. Yeah, me too. I was not expecting this. Was never really competitive. To your point, uh, you mentioned thirty-five fourteen at halftime. It's just it was never good. Um, Louisville ran the ball okay, averaged five yards a carry, nearly two touchdowns on the ground. Mikhail Cunningham, you mentioned. You know, 12 18 passing, 219, two scores left the game, and then finally came in in relief. But by then, it was already a blowout. It was too late. Um, Louisville's defense was atrocious, gave up almost 200 yards on the ground, 252 through the air. Mike Harley, six catches, 116, two scores. D Wiggins, three for 85, and two scores, including a 67 yard catch. So it just really was never competitive. And it leaves me one question why was Nikosi Perry ever the quarterback for Miami this year? Jaron Williams was the guy throwing through. I, I have a hard time explaining a number of quarterback decisions that have been made across the ACC this year. Um, I, I mean, it's your Hokies, it's my Yellow Jackets, it's Miami, it's... You could look it back at Wake Forest the first half of last year. I mean, there's there's a lot of decisions that have been suspect in retrospect of... Questionable. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand kind of where these things came from. Um, yeah, Jaron Williams was scorching hot in this game. Um... I mean, just I don't know what else to say. Miami Miami played a complete game, probably probably their best game of the year. This was, um, by the way, coming to this game, one of the uh, your boy, the Bear, Chris Felica on uh, yeah, Day. buddy. Last six years, coming off the Florida State game, Miami's one and five against the spread. Uh, this year, they covered it by like three scores. Naturally. So yeah, this one uh, did not fit the mold, so to speak. So. Really good performance by Miami. They're six and four. They've got at FIU and at Duke left. They're already bowl eligible. I think they're probably gonna finish eight and four at this point. This game meant a lot more to Miami than it did for Louisville. Louisville obviously in a rebuilding year, um, but they were you know they've had a really solid year regardless of the outcome in this game. Miami needed this so bad, Joey, and they got it. Yeah. Um, and, and for what it's worth, I mean, again, Louisville looked pretty bad here coming off a of bye week. But if you think that that really like bodes poorly for the rest of their season, just remember that Louisville's last three games at NC State, home against Syracuse, at Kentucky. Yep. Any or all of which may or may not make a bowl game at all. So Louisville just needs to win one of those to be bowl eligible, and they might sweep all of them and finish 8-4. and four. That's, that's squarely on the table. And might, I think they're winning eight games, Joey. I kind of think they are, too. Assuming they bounce back from this, which I, I think they will, but we'll we'll have to find out. Like their chances. Yep. Uh, that's all I got here. Anything else? Now nah, we good, man. Let's move on. 52-27, Miami over Louisville. Uh, let's go to Charlottesville, Mike, where your Virginia Cavaliers, 33, my Georgia Tech, Yellow Jackets, 28. 
Um, a you know Virginia takes care of business, gets the win. Uh, they improved to five and two in conference play, looking good, looking good for now. It's looking like that uh, that game in Charlottesville here in a few weeks against your Hokies is going to be uh, for the Coastal Championship. Just as we all thought. Yeah, yeah, just as we all predicted here three weeks ago. Uh, on the other hand, Georgia Tech, give them credit. They look pretty good in this game. And, and and what we're seeing here is that they are improved from where they were six weeks ago, call it. Without uh, a doubt. James Graham had a horrific game last week against Pittsburgh. He turns around and goes 15-22 for 229, two, pit, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, he also added eight carries for 42 yards and a score in this game. He was really good. Um, he turned around from one of his worst games ever to one of his best. Um, he, he looked really good. Georgia Tech in general starting to show some identity on offense at times. At other times, they're not. And I, I don't really know how or why that transition ever happens, but it is what it is. Bryce Perkins continues to be like literally the entirety of Virginia's offense, which is what it is and it's it's working for now but it's it really feels like you got to figure something else out if you're going to beat teams that are uh reasonably capable of taking him away uh Wayne Tulapapa finishes this game with 10 carries for 37 yards now he did have two touchdowns but again it seems like he's most effective in short yarded situations which is not ideal for like a bell cow back that you want to try to give a lot of the carries to in, in a game so um, this was this was a, a really hotly contested game. A lot of the statistics would tell you that basically these teams performed very very similarly here. And at the end of the day, the the, the big difference was going to be field position. But I mean, it was a very competitive game. Bill Conley put out today the post game win expectancy. Virginia's win expectancy here forty nine percent. Naturally, meaning Georgia Tech just just a hair past half the time should have won this game based on what the numbers looked like, but they did not get it done this time. They do cover 16, or 16 and a half, and, uh, but Virginia remains in control of the Coastal. Bryce Perkins, 364 yards by himself. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, and how much did the rest of the team have? Like, 50? Not a ton. 49, actually. 49 yards. So went to La Papa, 10 carries, 37 yards, two scores. Yeah. I mean, ain't going to do it. I mean, so, so let's put it this way. Bryce Perkins had 35 passing attempts, 21 carries, including a couple of sacks that they had on him. The rest of the team to La Papa with 10 carries, PK here, two carries, Joe Reed, two carries, Lamont Atkins, one carry and a kneel down. So what is that? 15. 15 carries for the rest of the team versus 35, 21, 56 touches for Bryce Perkins. I I was thinking about this earlier today. Let's put it this way, Mike. Um, I, I, I don't mean to um, dismiss what Virginia is doing right now and to just look past this season. We're late in the season. Virginia has been playing well. They've, this is the best season that they're, they're going to have in quite a while. And that's all good stuff. Yada, yada, yada. The thought that I had was that next year, what is Virginia going to do? I mean, this is a team that is loaded with juniors and seniors, and it's, I mean, it's like the the couple seniors here that are really carrying the load on both sides of the ball. I I don't know if if, if Brennan Armstrong is going to be enough coming in as 
what what will he be like a junior next year or what? But or are you trying to go back to the well of the transfer portal, trying to get another guy out of junior college to replace Bryce Perkins? But Perkins is a freaking special player. It's become very clear. So like, I don't know where you go. You enjoy all I'm saying is enjoy it now, Virginia fans, because it might be rough next year. The long term ceiling doesn't seem too high, Joey. No. No, that it's. It's this just absolute like zeroing in on like two players at a time, especially on offense. That's like, it seems hard to build a team that's gonna maintain a consistent level of winning and isn't gonna go through some real peaks and valleys. No, I, I agree with that. And I mean, when your entire offense is built around one player, it's really hard to imagine what the future holds. Yeah, that's that's where we're at with Bryce Perkins. So that's where we're at. I mean, he's the entire team, Joe. Completely. So it's it's going well now. He's still uh, reasonably healthy. He's not all that banged up, but you know he's. It, it could be enough to win the coastal this year, but yeah. I don't know what long term what this looks like for Virginia, and I don't know what the ceiling is for Bronco Mendenhall. And I think he's done a heck of a job, but I don't know what this looks like long term, given the fact that they placed their entire offense on one guy. Yep, exactly. Um, Virginia going to play Liberty here in a couple of weeks. They got a bye week. They're going to play Liberty, and then they're going to host Virginia Tech uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. So they should be an eight and three team, five and two in the conference when uh, when the Hokies come to town, and Virginia gonna have to try to break a sixteen year losing streak to win the coastal. Otherwise, uh, it'll either be the Hokies or potentially the Pitt Panthers. Mike, good God, we'll uh, we'll get there when we come to it. But anyways, that's all I got here. Georgia Tech looking a lot better, um, not quite there. I am a hundred percent on the train of they're going to beat NC State here in a couple weeks on a Thursday night at home. That's going to happen. Hundred percent sure. You've been there all year. Yeah. Uh, all right. Virginia thirty-three, Georgia Tech twenty-eight. Couple more. Uh, both blowouts here, Mike. Number fifteen, Notre Dame, thirty-eight points. Duke, seven points. Speaking of a one-man show. Yeah, uh, we basically told you on the on the preview that Duke was not going to have the offensive firepower to hang out, uh, hang around here, and they certainly did not. Confirmed. Blue Devils come away just short of 200 yards of offense. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is racking them up. Um, Ian Book by himself had more yards of offense than Duke did. The Irish uh, racking up uh, about 469 yards. And uh, this was just never really close. It was 21-7 at halftime, and it only got worse from there. So, um Kind of as we expected, Duke at this point struggling offensively in particular. Um, and, and as we talked about before we came on here, Mike, kind of weird that they scored 45 points against Virginia Tech as we look at it now and look back six weeks ago. It was a weird place to be. I'm going to be ill, Joey. Mm-hmm. That and Georgia Tech are their only two ACC wins of the year so far. Yeah, Ian Book, leading rusher, 12 carries, 139 on the ground, Joey. That was really good. Ian Book, 18 of 32, 181 through the air, four touchdowns, two picks. Uh, but the entirety of the game, Joey, was Duke's passing attack. Couldn't get anything going, 102 yards through the air, touchdown, and And Duke was held to 30 carries for 95 yards. That ain't going to get it done, Joey. Yeah. Again, just – not nearly enough offensive firepower on Duke's end of the ball to be able to keep them in this game. And uh, Notre Dame did what Notre Dame does and beat the snot out of them. So I, I don't know what else there is really to say there. Duke now has three games left. Uh, Syracuse at home, at Wake, home against Miami. They're going to have to go 2-1 and one across that stretch to uh, make a bowl game, which realistically means they're going to have to beat Syracuse at home, which is very doable. And they're going to have to split a road game at Wake and a home game against Miami, which... 
I don't love the chances they're going to do that. So nope. we'll have to see. Especially but, with how Miami's playing. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, you you could say that maybe the the talent differential with Wake is is manageable, but then again, is it? Like especially with as well as Wake's offense is playing, as well as they can score. Like I don't know. We'll see. So Duke potentially probably missing a ball game, but. Anyways, definitely uh, missing a bowl game, in my opinion. Yeah. So not a good look there. Uh, number 15, Notre Dame, 38, Duke, seven. Last game, Mike, number five, Clemson, 55, NC State, 10. Uh, Clemson. Dear did, God. Yeah. Clemson did what Clemson does. NC State did what they've been doing. Um, this was not a close game whatsoever, uh, ever at any point. Clemson was up 28 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, it was 42 nothing at halftime. There were some people that were really like butthurt about some some aspects of this game. Clemson scores with 11 seconds left with like the third stringers in the walk. They were the backups. Yeah, all this stuff, and people were thinking that was like bad sportsmanship. You know what? At some point, this is on you, NC State. Like, like if if Travis Etienne is sitting there running it in, and if if Trevor Lawrence is slanging it with you know two minutes left, and and you're still going down the field, like I get that a little bit. This is big boy football, and you've got your second and third string guys in, and they're still just mashing NC State's defense. This is on the Wolfpack. I don't feel bad for them at all. And you shouldn't. I mean, Clemson was ranked fifth in the country. They needed style points, and they got them, even with their backups. NC State, you got to find a way to stop it. Yeah, absolutely. This is on them, especially in their own building. Like, my goodness. Um, Have some pride. Yeah, for real. Um not a lot else to say here. I, you know, Clemson with a casual two sacks, eight tackles for loss in this game. Trevor Lawrence, twenty for twenty-seven, two seventy-six, and three touchdowns. Be better, Trevor. Be better. He's up to eleven incompletions in the last three games, right? Oh, somebody show him a calendar. It is November, Mike. He's got to be better than that. It's got to be better. Not. Clemson's not going to go anywhere with play like that. Embarrassing. He's so good. <laughs> He's really, really good. Clemson did have 10 penalties in this game. If you're really, really like trying to pick some nits on uh, what they could have done better, I guess. Okay. That's all I got. Uh, that's all for the games, Mike. We got a couple of awards to give out. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, go ACC member of the week. That comes from uh, the Virginia Cavaliers playing my Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And, Mike, uh, Virginia making a an interesting decision. They, they're they going to punt the ball from Georgia Tech's 35-yard line. So, to be fair, it was like 4th and 12, 4th and 15. It was... It was going to be a tough conversion to make, but from an area that most people would call field goal range, Virginia's punting the ball. That seemed like a bad decision. Seems bad. You know what was a worse decision? Fair catch, baby. Wanye Thomas backing up and making a fair catch on the two-yard line. That was a worse decision, Mike. That ain't going to get it done. Go ACC to Virginia punting deep in Georgia Tech's territory and Georgia Tech self-inflicting a uh, nice little... uh, Nice little fair catch deep, you know, like on the goal line, basically. So good on both sides. Uh, go ACC to that. Um, the Brian Van Gorder Memorial You Tried Award, Mike, goes to the Wake Forest, Wake Forest. Stephen Deeks. Hell yeah. You want to you wanna walk him through that one? Wake Forest is a ranked team with expectations, Joey. That did not go very well, did it? Nope. Easy come, easy go. That's That's not going to last very long. Found a way to lose to a team that lost by 35 to Duke about a month ago. Not just lose to that team, but lose by 19. 
Yep. Like Lose not by even close. Three scores as a favorite. Yeah. Favored on the road and uh, just got the pants beat off of them. So uh, you tried Wake Forest. You tried. And, and we still love you. But, you know, you, you are still part of the ACC and you've still got some of that ACC on you. So. Still pretty good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, player of the week, Mike, and, and really the team of the week here. Let's start with the team of the week. It's going to be Miami uh, with a huge, be. huge win over Louisville. Um, player of the week is going to be their quarterback, Jaron Williams. My gosh, 15-23, 253, six touchdowns. That's a school record. He was on fire in that game. He was excellent. So he is our ACC player of the week of the official Mike and Joey Hate Miami podcast. Uh, also, like, co-team of the week, we felt like Miami probably wasn't just good enough. It's got to be your Hokies, Mike. I was about to ask how butt hurt are Virginia Tech fans for not calling team of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, home dog and, again, beating the snot out of your uh, your ranked opponent. That is uh, That is team of the week territory. So good on you, Hokies. Good on you, Bud Foster. Congrats. Uh, got the banner. Got the lunch pail going. Everything. It's a uh, It was a good day in uh, Blacksburg. Happy retirement, buddy. Probably the uh, probably the last good day in Blacksburg here for about a week or so. So good God. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how Justin Fuente does against the uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets that are three and zero against his Hokies teams. Just throwing it out there. Eh. Eh. Throwing it out there. Ain't uh, run the option no more, buddy. <laughs> yeah, there's some discussions we could have about that. Uh... <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Mike's all I got in week 11. Anything else? On to week 12, we got Thursday nighter. We do have a Thursday nighter. It's about time. It's been a, well, it's been like a month since we've done this. I don't know. It feels like it. That... Uh, it's been a it's been a while. We had a Friday night game. But I don't know. Is this our first Thursday nighter this year? I don't think it is. No, we've had a couple Thursday nighters, I think. But it's... We've really gotten out of the ACC tradition of doing these Thursday night games. Not to mention, why is Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech on a... Saturday, like this, this should always be a Thursday night game. It usually is, and it usually bodes well for my Hokies, baby. Not last year. Shout out to Bias Oliver. Okay, uh, well, we're gonna die now. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna come back and preview some Week Twelve games here shortly. But in the meantime, y'all can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Y'all can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, and most importantly, Mike, on the Anchor app. And we ask that you do and appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, you want to tell me they can find us on the social medias? Facebook. 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 Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of your podcasts there, Joey. Sorry, I can't talk tonight, buddy. Nailed it. Nailed it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Mike Sully got you. Wanna come back and uh, preview some games? I'll do better next time. And yes, I do. We'll try. We'll try. Uh, yeah. Train's pulling into the station. We're getting uh, we're getting close here. We'll uh we gotta we gotta close out, finish strong. We're getting close to a witching hour. <laughs> the witching hour. Yep. Uh I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> I don't know what to say. All right, let's just get <laughs> out of here and call it off while we're ahead. Sure. All right. For that guy, Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until next time, go ACC. Yeah.